Welcome to Spring Creek Church Online. My name is Dr. Jessica Fernandez, and I am the online campus and teaching pastor here at Spring Creek Church. Today, we are beginning a brand new series titled Called to Community. As we get started, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day that you have given us. I just pray for every person that's watching this message, Lord that they would hear what you want them to hear, Father, that, that you may speak into their hearts, Lord, that you may give me the words to communicate what needs to be communicated in this day. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1987, one of the most iconic shows of the late 80s and 90s aired its first episode. If you watch our sermon series promo, I'm sure you can guess which show it is. That's right. It was Full House. I loved this show and thought it was the funniest. I guess because I was a kid, I didn't realize that the whole show started because of a crisis. In the show, Danny Tanner becomes a widow after his wife is killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. He finds himself alone with three daughters. Realizing that in the middle of his crisis, that he can't do life alone, he recruits his brother-in-law and best friend to help him raise his three girls. The whole premise of the show is how they all become a family with an amazing bond because of adversity. But Full House is just a TV show, and TV has the annoying habit of oversimplifying and idealizing real-life problems and solutions. It's nothing like your house, and it's nothing like my house. And a crisis usually is not resolved in 30 minutes or less. Real life is not that simple and clean. A crisis is defined as a personal obstacle in achieving your life's goals that cause disorganization in your life, hopelessness, sadness, confusion, and panic when you can't resolve it. A crisis can also be events that are difficult to overcome with traditional solutions. You have no resources to solve it and have no way of coping. For me personally, there are many events that I've thought of as a crisis. Like when I thought I would never finish my dissertation, or when my father died unexpectedly, or when I realized growing up with alcoholic parents had me in a constant state of crisis. But there are so many world events that stick out in my mind, like when I was in elementary school and remember the Space Shuttle Challenger exploding soon after takeoff. Or even more vividly were the events of 9-11. I can remember where I was standing, what I was wearing, and watching any footage of that day brings me back to the sadness and confusion I felt that morning. And what sticks out to me were the after effects of each event how people came together to fight against our common enemies, supported each other, and made a commitment to recover and come back even better than before. When we turn on the news, it seems like our world is in a constant state of crisis with mass shootings, shortage of resources, political unrest, and pandemics. But there was one tragic event that stands out to me above all the others. The reaction to this crisis is the most beautiful display of forgiveness and community that I've ever seen in my life. On October 2nd, 2006, a man walked into a one-room schoolhouse in Nickel Pines, Pennsylvania, shooting 10 female students. Five of those young ladies were killed and five were injured. Of those five girls whose lives were spared, four made a full recovery and one remains in a wheelchair, unable to walk or speak or feed herself for the rest of her life. Then Charles Roberts, the shooter, turned the gun on himself and committed suicide. In the middle of Amish country, he caused devastation to every member of this community that will last for years to come. In the midst of this crisis, there were many families that were grieving in shock of what occurred in this small town. 
parents grieving over the death of their, of their children and those who were injured, a set of parents who were in shock about what their son had just done, and a wife who couldn't believe her husband was capable of doing such a thing. The Amish, the Amish are, are most known for their distinct but simple dress code, their handmade furniture and clothes, their transportation of a horse and buggy, and their resistance to using modern day technology in their everyday lives. They stress the importance of separating themselves from the world to maintain how they live their lives. And though the way that they live is not necessarily my cup of tea, and by all means, I'm not saying you should throw away your cell phones and a car and invest in a horse and buggy, but those aren't the characteristics that set themselves apart that day. They believe that community is at the heart and the center of their life and faith. They believe that the way to salvation is, is to live uh, as a loving community apart from the world. They believe members of the community help each other. And if one member is in trouble, then it's the responsibility of the whole community to help the member. They are so committed and have so much faith in their community that they don't even accept state benefits or use insurance because they rely on the, the support of their community instead. They value community well-being rather than competition, and they put God and community ahead of the individual. Though we don't understand or maybe agree with some of the Amish traditions and culture, they truly are the epitome of what a community is and should be. Just so that we're all on the same page, a community is a group of people with diverse characteristics who may share values, behaviors, and or common perspectives. Ironically, we both share the same God and both believe in Jesus, and yet the value they place on community is in direct contrast to the Western church who values individualism. So you're probably thinking, Pastor Jessica, how could you say that? Easy. I valued individualism myself in my Christian journey and have minimized the power of community. I remember the times where I would get offended and, and decide that life was better done alone and justified my decision to do so. And those were the times where I remained stagnant in my walk with Jesus and suffered from loneliness and a sense of rejection. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. We tend to read this verse through the perspective of individualism, understanding this verse as instructions for individual fulfillment rather than commands given to communities. Many of us read this as a personal playbook on how we will contribute to the kingdom. I thought I was going to be the next Joyce Meyer and travel the world because the Bible told me go out into the world and preach. And I don't want to minimize anyone's calling or work of the ministry because we all play a role in the body of Christ. But when we examine the New Testament, its authors wrote to churches, not individuals. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and Thessalonica. Other letters were written to the church or Christians in general. I can't tell you how many times I prayed and said, God, please reveal your purpose and plan for my life. One day I heard the Holy Spirit say, your purpose is to love me, the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbors as yourself. So basically, God, what you were telling me is what's already in the Bible, the greatest commandment found in Matthew 22. It reminds me of the quote by President John F. Kennedy, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Come on, you know that one. Basically, what I heard that day from the Lord was stop worrying about my individual contribution to the world and worry about my contribution to the body of Christ. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells us that part of the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. 
Jesus also tells his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul applies Jesus's command regarding the need to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that he has given us. By explaining that this task is the responsibility of the whole church, the body of Christ, like a human body with many parts. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. In the book, The Scent of Love, Keith Miller suggests the reason why the early Christian church was so successful, it was not because their gifts were doctrine, but because they had found the secret to community. It's only in working together in the context of community that the church will see the growth and maturity of its members. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 and 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul is telling us it is the responsibility of the community to teach and disciple new believers, which is the body of Christ. And even though this is a huge commandment to equip God's people, we still choose to do life alone. We still choose to disconnect from the body. That dreadful day when calamity showed up at the front door of Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, they didn't tell the world how much they value community and how it is the heart and the center of their life and faith. They showed the world the true meaning of community through their actions. But what happens when calamity shows up at your door and it shows up at mine? When you've lost a job or, or you're about to lose your home or maybe you're grieving the loss of loved ones or you're a witness to a loved one's fight with illness and disease or maybe you're the one who's fighting. What do you do when you're in a crisis or, or, or what have you done in a crisis? Do you isolate yourself? Do you hide when everything is falling apart? Do you engage in self-soothing behaviors? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Do you just do nothing at all? Or maybe the better question is, who will sustain you in a crisis? Crisis reveals the condition of your infrastructure, your foundation, your support system, your community. Are there flaws in your infrastructure that give the impression that you are in a healthy community? An American physician, Dean Ornish, said, the need for connection and community is primal, as fundamental as the need for air, water, and food. In Acts 2.41, Peter and the 11 other apostles were teaching and those who believed what Peter were, uh, said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And I'd like to emphasize, added to the church. These people, by accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, were instantly part of the body of Christ that day. God knew our need to be in community. So when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, we are accepting to be part of his community. We are being called to community. After the 3,000 were added to the church that day, they immediately began to act like a community of believers. Acts 2, 42 through 47 tells us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, and to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's God's purpose in adding us to the body of Christ immediately? Well, God calls us to community to meet the practical needs of people. On that day that Charles Roberts shot those young girls, the members of the Nickel Mines community took food to, the, to Robert's widow. That was a practical need. With the events of the day, I'm sure that eating was the last thing on her mind. And in meeting a practical need, it demonstrates God's love and care for those who are broken and grieving. When my father died, I was with him all night in the hospital. He died in the morning and I had to go home and finish my last paper for my last class in seminary. I totally forgot to eat. I was in a daze that he was gone. That evening, my best friend came with food. Until this day, I remember how I, I felt and that I wasn't forgotten. Being part of a community gives you the opportunity to serve others in the most practical ways when others need to know that they are loved by God. God calls us to a community to provide support and encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his, his return is drawing near. The Nickel Mines community provided support and encouragement to all those affected by the shooting, not just the people that they liked, not just the people who hadn't offended them, but to everyone, regardless of what pain was caused by them. Days after burying their daughters, the Nickel Mines community attended Charles Roberts' funeral, the man who caused this devastation. Their presence provided support and encouragement to the shooter's family. Can you imagine going to the funeral of the person that shot and killed your child? The health of the community was more important than allowing unforgiveness and bitterness to spread like a plague. In your crisis, who is there to support and encourage you? And are you supporting and encouraging others? God calls us to community to carry you emotionally. Galatians 6, 6 2. Share each other's burdens and in the way obey the law of Christ. On the day of the tragedy, the parents of the shooter were in shock and awe of what their son had done. His father used to, used to provide rides to the Amish when they were need, when they needed to travel by car. Terry, the shooter's mother, recalls her husband couldn't lift his head the whole day after hearing the news of what his son had done. He was weeping. He was weeping and wiping his head with a towel to wipe away the tears. Then Henry, his Amish neighbor, went to visit his friend, put his hand on his shoulder and comforted and consoled him for over an hour. Henry told him, Roberts, we love you, and just kept affirming and assuring him. This is a true testimony of the power of community. This is what God truly intended for the body of Christ to be to each other. God calls us to a community to offer opportunities for confession, which leads to healing. 
James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Not only did the members of Nickel, of Nickel Mines support the shooter's parents and wife, they meet every other month with all the parents of the children who were in the schoolhouse that day. They use the gatherings to facilitate the healing process, provide support and care for people who experience this tragedy together. Near the anniversary of the day, they meet quietly in, in, in an informal setting to reflect on how their lives have changed since that terrible day. I'm sure these conversations are raw and honest, but, but in being transparent and vulnerable, it provides the opportunity for the community to pray for you as you go through the healing process. God calls us to community to give you the chance to forgive and work through conflict. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. When a reporter asked the bereaved parents, how could you forgive someone who killed your children? They said, forgiveness is the one good thing that can come out of this tragedy. With the shooter dead, there was no one to direct their anger. So forgiveness is the best and only option. I wonder how many of us get offended, have been hurt and betrayed and let the bitterness and anger fester in our hearts. We are unwilling to forgive and love those who have sinned against us. The reality is you will get hurt and at times you will be betrayed and we will fight because we are different. We have different beliefs based on where we grew up and the type of culture we were raised in, our economic status, our parents, our language and political beliefs. But really the only thing most of us have in common is the fact that most of us believe and have accepted Jesus into our lives. But that's why God called us to a community of believers so that we could grow with each other's help to reflect the character of Christ. I want to end off with this. When we say we are called to community, what we are saying is that when we receive salvation, we automatically become part of the body of Christ. But being in community takes intentionality. Instead of running away from community, run towards community. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Ruth. Most of you know this story as a love story, but I believe there's so much more to this. Naomi finds herself in a crisis when her husband and her two sons die. Without anyone to care for her and her daughter-in-laws, she decided to go back home to Judah because she understood the power of community. Naomi tries to convince Ruth to go back to her parents' home. Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. My Lord, deal with me. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth knew the importance of community. She was willing to fight for it. That same tenacity that she uses to convince Naomi that they shouldn't be separated is the same tenacity we must pursue godly community in our lives. This shouldn't be some passive activity, but we should be seeking fervently with the understanding that right community could be the difference between surviving or thriving. And isn't that what God wants for our lives? Not just to, not just to survive this walk with him, but thrive in this amazing journey with him and his church. God never intended us to do life alone. 
This transition for my husband and I has been a challenging one, even though God has opened the doors and made a place for us. But, but that's what transi- transition does. It challenges us to grow in ways we, we couldn't even imagine. Sometimes I miss my kids, my home, the beach, my favorite pizza place, and my favorite seafood restaurant. But what God has been revealing to me is that it's not enough to work for the church, to be in the building of the church, but to be part of the, com- the church through community. I miss my community of friends who told me about myself, who never let me get away with anything, who loved me through my imperfections, and who brought correction in areas I may not have been able to face on my own. They encouraged me and supported me. And at times when I thought that there was no hope, they kept pushing me to keep moving forward. God is challenging me and you to pursue community like it's life or death, because it is. So I ask you one more time, who will sustain you during your next crisis? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day that you have given us. I pray that you may give us strength, Lord, and that if any of us, Father, has been running away from community and from people, Father, I pray that you would put a yearning in their heart, Lord, to want to be connected to people who serve you, Lord Jesus. That when they are alone, that they would know that they have people around them who are supporting them and encouraging them, Father. I pray that, that, that if they are unable to find a community, Lord, that you would give them strength to start their own community of people, Lord, who would be encouraging in their lives. Father, we thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we will see you uh, all through the week at Spring Creek Church Online.